Welcome to Business Intentional. Whether you're an entrepreneur, marketing agency, or just interested in following cutting-edge business trends, we will show you how to be business intentional in your industry. Digital media expert Shelby Larson and her world-class guest will show you that the fastest way to successfully grow your business and revenue and not hate your life doing it is by being business intentional. A lot of smart entrepreneurs, they're just burned out. I mean, and that's why it's so critical to understand how to be business intentional so that everyone in your company has that baseline to make the best decisions possible. Now, Cranberry.fn proudly presents Business Intentional with Shelby Larson. Hi, everyone. This is Shelby Larson, and welcome to Business Intentional. I've got an excellent show for you today. I have a really fun guest, Stefan Arstall. Uh, how are you doing, Stefan? Good. Thanks for having me on your show, Shelby. I'm so glad you're here. And most of you, if you recognize his name, probably know him from Shark Tank. Um, he has a very successful business that was funded in, on Shark Tank. And um, that's actually how I got to know Stefan. We both spoke at Camp Maverick, was it two years ago? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I think maybe we met briefly at an underground like the year before that. But that's how, you know, our, the marketing world brought us together. And I reached out and asked if he would be on our show because he's got a couple of really interesting things going on in his business that I want to discuss. So we'll just jump right into it. I, I think if we're going to get started, Stefan, we should start with the elephant in the room because everybody knows you from Shark Tank. They love to hear about that. Like, what was your what was your experience like doing that? Sure. Yeah. So I was on Shark Tank in season three. So it's been a few years now. It's about five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm known as the worst pitch in the history of Shark Tank <laughs> that still landed a deal. So that last part is critical. <laughs> that last part is critical. There have been worse pitches, but they didn't land a deal. Um, so I ended up landing a deal with Mark Cuban for uh, you know 150000 for 30% of my company. Plus got a he negotiated for first right of refusal to invest in any business I raise money for in the future. And this was after, you know, I went on air and forgot my pitch. And I mean, it was literally silent for three or four minutes and stuttering and stammering and the sharks were tearing into me. Three of them were out right away. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty bad. And I had to sort of pick myself up off the floor and uh, sort of make a rocky like comeback <laughs> to end up getting, uh, you know, offers from Cuban and Mr. Wonderful. And I ended up going with, with Mark. Um, so it was a rocky start. Uh, but since then, we've done, that was in 2002 or, or 2012 was when it aired in March. And we, we at the time we pitched, we had $100,000 in lifetime sales for tower paddle boards. And since then, we've done a little over $25 million. And so that's put us in one of the top, uh, you know, investments in the history of Shark Tank. And we're, we're uh, Mark Cuban's best investment on, from the show as well. Yeah, that's so amazing. And the thing I love that I want to talk about that from that for a second is because even though all of our listeners listening, you know, won't end up on Shark Tank, I think all of us that have successful businesses end up in positions where we need to pitch what we have, right? Whether it's to get a client or to get investment. And you were in a situation where for all intents and purposes, it seems like you were going to blow it. Like it just wasn't going to work. And unfortunate for us, we don't get to see the entire episode aired. And so I remember when you told me this story and you can, and I'll, I'll kind of show you where I'm going with this and you can tell it, but it seems like I remember you saying, I sort of was standing there, I was realizing this wasn't going to work. And I just completely changed my pitch to talk about, well, actually I have an agency or I do SEO and that brought everything back around. So I wanted you to sort of talk about that and then maybe talk about 
like how you did that. How did you under the fire and under the gun? Like, what did you have to draw on to bring that back and get that deal? Like what kind of kicked in there? Yeah. So when I went on there, I was thinking, you know, I had this paddleboard company. We had a, you know, we didn't have a lot of revenues, but they were ramping up quickly. And I knew I could, you know, be successful with this because it was very similar to other, other businesses that I've, I've done. And so I was, you know, pitching it confident that I was going to have some kind of a bidding war with these sharks. And that's not what happened. And, you know, I fell apart and then three of them are out and I'm getting, you know, I got called a nerd. I got called a leprechaun. Uh, just it was <laughs> it was pretty bad. And so I said, OK, clearly these guys are not buying what I'm selling. And I'm just like, uh, I kind of got mad. I'm like, look, I'm as smart as any one of these guys up there. Like, what's what's going on here? And I said, what can I really do? Um, I, so I said, look, like, you know, this paddleboard business is going to be successful, but clearly you guys don't get the paddleboard business. But how I'm going to build it is how I built my poker chip business, buypokerchips.com. And I helped my brother's company build a business from a quarter million to seven million in sales. I'm like, I've gone to the top of industry and in every industry I've done. And so I started pitching. It was just a pivot, basically. If they're not buying what you sell, pivot to maybe something else that you have that they would want. And that was critical because in the end, I don't think Cuban even thought like the paddleboard business was going to do anything because I had fumbled my pitch so bad. But he was like, look, this guy seems to know what he's talking about in SEO. And maybe I can use him for my other companies. And what I started actually pitching them on is I'm like, I can do SEO for, you know, poker chips, for paddle boards, for, you know, whatever. And here's what we should really do if you guys want to make some real money is we take your guys' war chest, we go buy a $10 million company, inject what I know, and then three years later, we sell it for $30 million. I'm like, that's easy business. Starting from zero to 10 million is tough. And mm -hmm. so him and Mr. Wonderful, uh, or Cuban and Mr. Wonderful, they sort of got that. And they said, oh, yeah, I, I see, what you're, see where you're going with this. Okay, we'll take a waiver on this kid for 150 grand. It was almost like, you know, an acre hire. Well, and what I love about that, and you know, the show's business intentional, what I love about that is somewhere inside of you, you thought, okay, this isn't going well. What do these guys actually care about? All right, they're Shark Tank, they have a bunch of startups or businesses that are midstream that they obviously want to grow so they get their money back out. Wait, I have skills to help with that. So you started speaking to what they actually cared about, which then all of a sudden you went from three being out to a couple of different sharks trying to get a hold of you, right? So that was that was really smart. I wish they would. I wish they showed that. I would love to see that. <laughs> you know, I think the, the 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 full pitches. I mean, it was probably an hour, so it would be really long. I think they would actually be fascinating to see a lot of those from Shark Tank, and they have all that footage. But uh, I don't know that that's going to happen in prime time. Yeah, I think so too. And and I love that something you said to me too when we were preparing for this show is you mentioned that you don't consider yourself a paddleboard company, you consider yourself a marketing agency that happens to own a paddleboard company. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, I learned online marketing. I started in 1999. That's when I got out of grad school. I was the young kid with an MBA and this uh, radiology company. And they just said, go figure out internet marketing. So I've learned all these skills. And after about four or five years, I went off on my own, had these skills and applied it to this selling, you know, poker chips. And I ran that company up and then it was, you know, taking 10, 12 hours of my week. And I was like, I've got all this extra time and I don't have another business, so I should do consulting, right? The problem with consulting is you spend half your time trying to sell people on your business on this consulting service, which you know is going to, you know, 10x, 300x their business, and you can't get them to pay anything for it. And so it was this, you know, banging my head against the wall trying to sell these consulting services. So I figured the only way to really opt optimally, you know, maximize the expertise that I had is to apply it to a company. 
So that's what I look at myself as just an occult uh, consultant that can't really sell my services to anybody because I can't explain to them how much this is going to help them. So I identify products, the poker chips, uh, the paddle boards, and just apply these things. And now we're doing it in sort of overall beach lifestyle products and just knocking off, uh, you know, one after the other. Yeah, I love that. I love that you kind of stayed a little bit in the same niche that you already have carved out so much success with the paddle boards and sort of expanded on that. I think that's really smart that you kept to an avenue. And I know like you have this great magazine um, with beautiful articles and beautiful pictures. My company's done some work for you in that. And you're really seem you seem to be really kind of going after that market. Well, this is my, you know, entrepreneurial paranoia is like the poker chip business boomed and then peaked and then busted. And everything I seem to go into has this boom and peak and a bust. And I think that's just the business world today. So you've got to diversify as quick as possible. So even when the paddle boards were growing, you know, we grew 2,500% in four years. Um, I was panicked that it was all going to disappear next year at any moment because it was very much like the poker chip industry. And so I'm like, okay, how do we diversify? How do we go into surfboards? How do we go into bikes and skateboards and all of this other stuff? And Thank God we did that because, you know, between last year and this year, we, we finally saw the drop off. You know, there's 150 companies competing for this. We've had about 60 percent drop off in revenues so far this year. And we really had to scale down the staff and, and sort of adjust things. Um, but, you know, we have three products, you know, that we're introducing that were introduced last year or this year. They're each going to do, you know, half a million at least each. And that's getting us out of the paddleboard market where a lot of these companies that are just in paddleboards are going to go under in the next two years. Yeah, and I really want to, we're about to go to break. I really want to talk a little bit more about that too, about how even while you're scaling and successful in one area, you need to be thinking ahead to when that eventually kind of caps out. I really like that concept. And also for those of you listening, I'm super excited to talk about how Stefan's company successfully went to five hour work days. So if you think that's a misnomer, he's had two years of successful experience. So we're going to talk about that after break with my guest, Stefan Aristotle. We'll be right back. Stay tuned as we intentionally pay homage to our sponsors. How much are your best ideas worth? PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property, ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts. We help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash Circle. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, 
So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Business Intentional is back to build your business and revenue only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to Business Intentional. I'm returning with Stefan Arstall. And as promised, we're going to get to his success at launching five-hour work days. I think I said work weeks earlier, five-hour work days <laughs> uh, here in just a second. But first, I wanted to just touch on something we ended at the break about how while you were building the paddleboard industry, and you really got it at a good time when paddleboarding was just sort of becoming a big trend, but you knew from your experience that it was going to top out. And so what is it, what are the types of things that you did in order to continue scaling that business, but having some future thought to when that bubble bursts so that you have something, the next thing already lined up? Because most people, I think, end up in this position where it bottoms out and now they're like, oh no, now what am I going to do? And then it takes time to make that pivot, and that's costly. Yeah, so, I mean, we hedged some bets. So we were reinvesting the profits into growing this magazine, uh, Tower Magazine, which is at the URL tower.life, uh, which is just a beach lifestyle magazine. It doesn't really talk about paddleboarding. It talks about things that beach lifestyle people are interested in. We had a full-time filmmaker on staff. Uh, you know, we outsourced some writing of this, and we put out a couple articles a week um, and videos, just high-quality content to try to attract this audience. And we built the audience to about 60,000 um, you know, subscribers. And really the plan is to grow it to half a million or a million um, because these are the types of people that buy paddle boards. But you know, when paddle boards phase comes and go, there's gonna be something behind it. And so we wanna own the mind share. We wanna own those people. Um, so then when the next phase comes, we can sell those people bikes, we can sell them skateboards, we can sell them anything in the beach lifestyle thing. So that was one thing. And then also we wanted to diversify our products. So we didn't want to just be in one product class. We wanted to be in several uh, product class. So we came out with these you know, innovative like full face snorkel masks, which you know, we'll do a half million in revenue on this this year. We've came out with these sort of air chairs and these beach tents, um, things that aren't really even related that closely to paddle boards, but it, uh, it diversifies your, your product portfolio. Yeah, but it's still something with Tower that you could center on Tower because it's a water sport. You can feature your already growing business on paddle boards and cross over into snorkeling and some of these other water activities. I think that's really smart. Um, anybody who lived, had a business through the 2008 bottom out of our economy, <laughs> really, if they're like me, rebuilt with a lot more diversification built in because that was really painful to come back from. And so I think that's really smart how you're doing that. Um, now I'm really interested in talking a little bit about this five-hour workday philosophy that you've been doing. I think before break, I said five-hour work week. Uh, Timothy Ferris must be in my head. Um, but the five-hour workday. So tell us a little bit about that. I'm super intrigued. Yeah, and Timothy Ferris is a huge you know, influence on this. I'm a big fan of his book. And I actually wrote a book called The Five-Hour Workday. And I, I mentioned his book several times in there. He wrote a book about how you know individual entrepreneurs like yourself and myself can sort of free themselves from the work world and sort of condense their time and be much more productive. And I wanted to basically see if you could apply that to an entire organization, to an entire company, not just the boss or not just these independent entrepreneurs, but everybody. And, you know, we're an e-commerce company, so we have a storefront, we have retail, we have a shipping department, we have customer service. We took everything. So about two years ago, um, 
I just came in and I said, okay, look, we're going to do a three-month test where we go 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. straight through. We get rid of lunch because there's a lot of waste there. And, you know, you're going to have to figure out how to get your job done. I said, everybody in my company, like, if you can't get your job done in this time, you'll be fired. But I'm going to give you your life back on one side, but I'm going to put a lot of pressure on you on the other side. And I wanted to do this because I felt that I was being, you know, highly productive because there was an incentive. If I finished my work, I would get out the door. I wasn't managed by the clock. Everybody that I knew, these entrepreneurs that were working in that fashion, were hugely productive people. And then you've got the general American you know, workforce, which just isn't that much more productive than it was 30 years ago, considering you've got basically nuclear power at your fingertips today. And so I want to put the pressure on and force them to use these tools. I really feel like the world has changed over the last you know, 20 or 30 years, and we should be 1,000% you know, more productive than we were 20 or 30 years ago when, you know, I went into my mom's office and she had a typewriter, you know, on her desk and a phone <laughs> attached to the wall. Like today in my office, if the Internet goes out, we just go home because it's, it's pointless to even be there. You still have a supercomputer on your desk. You still attached your phone to the Internet. Um, but it's not even worth being there because you're not as productive. Um, so I think we need to sort of reset our working uh, time. And this is what we're doing. We're doing an experiment, a live experiment in my company to do that. And this isn't something new. This has happened before in the world. If you look back in the early 1900s, um, Henry Ford basically invented the eight-hour workday. Before that, uh, factory workers were working 10 to 16 hours a day in factories. And then the assembly line and sort of the you know automation and everything came through. And all of a sudden, everybody was 10 times as productive. Um, but people were working these long hours, you know, trying to keep up with the assembly line. And they were literally dying on the factory floor and they were being stressed out. And there was a huge turnover worker turnover problem. And so they basically adjusted the work hour to, to reflect the change in technology. And, you know, the work world has been living with that ever since. Um, now, with the information age, we've gone through this similar uh, transformation in the work world for knowledge workers. We haven't made any change. In fact, people are working longer hours. But today we're dying of, you know, heart disease and we're getting obese because we're sitting at the, you know, the desk too long. And there needs to be a change. So that's what uh, you know we're about. Yeah, and what I love about this, and I and I know you've been doing this for two years, and there were probably you know you didn't know you didn't know until you got doing it. And um, something interesting too. So what you've discovered was that you were actually people wanted to work full time in some capacity. So you went from doing it 100% five hour work days to kind of back to normal. And now you're at where your peak season, June 1st to September 31st, you guys do five hour work days. And then you do a regular, more traditional 40 hour week outside of that, outside of prime time. Is that right? Yeah. That so right? yeah, what happened is, you know, everything was really going great with the, the five hour work day. Productivity was up. Our revenues were up. 50% since we, we started it. Oh, that's super noticeable. Um, 50% after Yeah, you so went we went five. from about 5 wow. million in sales to last year we did about 7.5 million. Now wow. we've had a drop off this year. Um, and that was one reason. So about two months ago, I lost four people from my company. And there were only nine people in the company uh, in a period of 90 days. And I'm like, why are people leaving? It didn't make any sense to me. They have a five hour work day. People are paid well. You know, we're this. We're in the action sports company in Southern California. We got mm -hmm. Mark Cuban. We got Shark Tank. Why am I losing people? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but what happened, it seems, is that because, you know, in the startup world where everybody is working these long hours, you form these really strong bonds. It's like going to war together. And when we moved to a company where we were, you know, clocking out at one o'clock in the afternoon, 
the rest of people's lives was was you know growing, but their work life it was a smaller part of their life, and I think they didn't have the same bonds with each other, and so it was very easy to leave the company, whether they were you know going to travel the country or you know getting married or doing something like that. Um, we hire a lot of young people too, so they tend to transition more. But the, one of the big reasons I put this in was I wanted to you know get great people and um, and hold them and have them work here for four or five years. They could do a side job. I didn't really care. Uh, but it wasn't achieving that thing. So I said, screw this. I got kind of mad, actually. And I said, clearly, you guys don't appreciate the five-hour workday. I think we can still benefit from this pressure during our high season, the busiest time of the year. So we lose 70% of our revenues June 1st to September 30th. So in that time, that's when we're going to do the five-hour workday to prove that we can work faster. Um, but then in the off-season, we're going to go back to startup hours and sort of refine our systems and do that. A lot of this is about uh, identification of productivity tools. Um, there's a website that accompanies the book. It's fivehourworkday.com. And on there, you can get a PDF where there's like, I don't know, 30 or 40 productivity tools that we've identified as a team that allow us to work at this, this faster clip. And that really is the critical part. So you put pressure on people. They can't work the same way they've been working before. They need to find you know, these productivity tools that a lot of entrepreneurs like you know yourself and myself have been using for forever, but a lot of people just don't use it because they don't need to. I think that's so interesting. So with the five-hour workday, you found increased productivity, higher revenue and benefits for your company, but it actually had a negative impact to the culture and the bonding between your people because they just weren't in the war room together as long. That is really interesting. So you, so one happy medium you found was to do the five-hour workday during prime time and a more 40-hour week uh, work week outside of that it would be interesting to split test other things too, like maybe doing more socials or I don't know, to bring people together. But that is so interesting to, to me. And and a lot of people, the reason they fear going to a, a, a lower time frame in their work week is they fear they won't get as much done. But I, I love the fact that you make a really good point. We all work the same way. And I think you have to be shaken up in order to be forced out of your patterns to find those productivity hacks, those different ways of doing things. And it seems like that's what you really created a catalyst, a way for your people to do that. I think that's, I think it's amazing. So uh, this is an experiment. So we don't know if it's going to work or not. Uh, and we're, we're testing it. And there's a lot of unintended things that happen, like that thing, people leaving. I didn't anticipate that at all. Um, so we're just, we're sort of dealing with stuff as we go. Yeah, that's amazing. We're about going to go to break again, but when we get back, we're going to talk more about this uh, productivity that Stefan has come up with that's really increased his revenue by 50% um, after break. Stay tuned as we intentionally pay homage to our sponsors. Looking for a white label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. 
at Fjorge. Our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E-Digital.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Business Intentional is back to build your business and revenue only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to Business Intentional with my guest, Stefan Arsfall. And we've, if you've been following along, we've just had a really interesting conversation about his five-hour workday philosophy and the benefits and the downsides that they've um, realized during this experiment. And so um, I love this concept. And it's kind of interesting, too, because... You made a really good point too, which is that with the five-hour work week type mentality, I've almost always seen that. Actually, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever not seen it only geared at the solopreneur or like the CEO, more like a personal thing. I don't think I've ever seen it presented in a "here's how you would put your entire company in alignment with this." And so that that to me is something really notable that people would like to figure out how to model. When you introduced this to your team, did you, did people embrace it immediately enthusiastically or were people kind of reserved about it? And then how did they feel about you saying, this is going to be awesome. You're off by one, but if you don't perform, you're gone. Like, right. Like was <laughs> yeah. it mixed or uh, it was mixed a little bit. And I don't think everybody completely believed it at first because uh, we also rolled out 5% profit sharing at the same time. And everybody here is paid on salary. So the math of that was somebody before, say they made 40,000 a year, they're gonna be working 2,000 hours, so they're making 20 bucks an hour. After it, with the 5% profit share at the time, we had, I think, seven or eight people in our company, that was another $8,000 in uh, earnings they were gonna do. So all of a sudden you have $48,000 over you know, this baseline hours of 1,250 hours. So now they're making you know, $38 and change. So we effectively doubled the per hour earnings of everybody overnight, and the beauty for the company is our cost didn't go up anything. So right. it was this sort of magic because uh, <laughs> you're just giving them a, it's, it's basically a renegotiation with workers like, OK, we know you're screwing around on Facebook and doing your online shopping at work. I mean, Cyber Monday is the biggest shopping day in the history of you know the year. It's a day when everybody's working. I mean, that should tell you right there what people are doing at work with <laughs> shopping. OK, certainly on Cyber Monday they are. And so it's this whole scam like workers are just you know watching the clock and then checking out and pretending to do all of this if they're smart they're figuring out how to get out of the office so they can work remotely and really do two to three hours of work and you think they're doing the regular 10 hour day and you know bosses aren't sort of pissed off about this i i look at this for both sides as an employee i knew how much time i wasted and if i could you know using you know tim ferris's four hour work week mentality get out of there do that and then do my side business. But then from a boss's perspective, I'm also pissed off because I'm like, you know, you guys are like essentially screwing me and yourself because we're not being as productive as we could and we're wasting all of this time in the office. Let's just renegotiate things and, and be more honest. 
Well, I love this because it's interesting. You know, a huge topic among entrepreneurs and business owners is compensation models and how do you incentivize your team and your staff in a way that allows them to grow and feel really good, but at the same time affordable. And what I love about what you've done is you gave them three hours a day back into their day. You massively increased their per hour earnings and you introduced a bonus structure on top of that. And what I love too, I'm really big on growing my team and staff and helping them with their dreams too. And so by having people out of their three hours early, that opens them up to have their own side business, right? So I just, I just think that's phenomenal as a compensation model to be able to add all those things, but not actually change how much money your company is paying out in payroll. That's I think that's, I, I really want to keep following your experiment. I mean, it's been two years. It's not like it's brand new. I mean, so far, yeah. so good. I mean, that's the interesting thing, especially with the millennial audiences. I, I, my conclusion is they don't really care what they make. I mean, they don't care whether you pay them 40000 or 80000 That really doesn't change anything for them. Uh, but if you can give them in a work environment that they feel invested in, that they're excited about, if you can give them the ability to do a side job, um, that makes all the difference. Giving people time is like this valuable commodity now that we don't really realize. And so that's huge. If you can let people out at one o'clock, that's craziness. Yeah. And that's, you know, I write, I wrote about that in my book and I, and I have some blog posts on that. And in, in the fact that we all think of currency only in the sense of dollars, but time is a currency and, you know, patience is a currency. There's, there's all these different currencies that people appreciate. And most people, really value their time more than they do money or they value their ability to put times toward their towards their dream and not have to sacrifice financial gain in order to do it. I just think that's so progressive of you. And unfortunately, we're out of time, but I love this. It just flew by. I'm so glad that our, our paths crossed and that you came on my show. This is very interesting. Now, for the people listening who are into sports, you can go to, is it towerpaddleboards.com? Yep. Towerpaddleboards.com and check out his amazing, the paddleboards that got him um, funded, although we secretly know it's kind of your SEO knowledge, the guy <laughs> <laughs> funded on Shark Tank. But what about, you know, this, how can they learn more about you and your your amazing philosophies on this five-hour workday and, and how to help it in their companies as well? Well, you can go to fivehourworkday.com and the, there's a book, the fivehourworkday.com. It's available on Amazon. And on the website, you can um, get the first 50 pages of the book for free um, and as well as like our, you know, 38 productivity tools. Um, which I, I think are very beneficial and those are free as well. So um, that's, the, that's the thing you should do. Perfect. And we're going to put some great information about Stefan and, and everything related to him at businessintentional.com backslash podcast backslash five hour workday. So that's what we're going to do. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan, for being here. And we'll see you guys next week. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the show, Shelby.